0: We are going to finish up here, um, or starting into the finishing up of this last chapter of the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And we've done a lot of different messages. In fact, I think this is, I think this is number 26 um, on these. The, there's just so much in this sermon, and, and that's why it's such a, a wonderful, valuable resource for us. Um, and things that we can use, and how we ought to live, the the things we ought to do, the way we ought to do them, and of course, we've talked about a lot of different things, and the main thing being in this whole sermon, that God wants your heart, and if God has your heart, then you'll change anything that he wants you to change, Um, and so Matthew chapter seven, and we, I mean, he spent a a good bit of time talking about our money, and our relationship to our money at the end of Matthew chapter six, and now he switches into uh, a couple other different things, um, kind of just a a little variety of things like you did with the Beatitudes, like you did all the way throughout Matthew chapter 5 and even into Matthew 6. But Matthew chapter 7 starts off this way in verse number 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again, and rend you. If there's any one verse in the Bible that a lost world knows and takes great delight in trumpeting, it's Matthew 7, 1, right? Right? Judge not that ye be not judged. But that wide knowledge does not necessarily lead to increased obedience to the Lord. And we see that over and over. This verse is probably the most understood, uh, probably one of the most understood Scripture passages and misapplied Scripture passages in the entire Bible. Uh, Because it's misunderstood, it's misapplied. And so the practical confusion, (laughs) the doctrinal weakness that results is dangerous, not only to a lost world, but also to really to American Christianity uh, that, that really just is just is really is just floundering today. So we're going to have a, a little bit of a Bible study tonight on the subject of judging, and then we're going to see how that results in Christ in, in what Christ is saying in this section of the sermon. So tonight we'll just spend a few minutes on this thought with what judgment ye judge. With what judgment ye judge? Let's pray, and then we'll look at these things tonight. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for the time we can spend around your word. Pray that you'd help us to understand it clearly as we go through these things, and then help us to apply it the way that you intended for it to be applied, and we could use it in our lives. Thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Really simple tonight, and the first thing is the wrong position. Why is this the wrong position? I say that that this is misunderstood, it's misapplied. Why is it? How is it misunderstood? How is it misapplied? Well, there's a lot of people that will gladly say that judge not means that we're not supposed to judge anybody else's actions. We're not supposed to judge other people. We're not supposed to judge institutions. Uh, And and honestly, you find that trotted out a lot of times when somebody has something that they don't like what you're saying. Well, you can't judge me. You're, You're not God. You can't judge me. You can't tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. A couple years ago in Seattle, there was a video that that came out at a a gay pride event. And of course, you know, um, a demonstrator that that opposed homosexuality was caught on video uh, committing the egregious crime of holding a sign up with a Bible verse on it that condemned homosexuality. And just before these tolerant, peace-loving, you know, live and let live defenders of liberty beat this guy up, one of them could be heard shouting in the video Who are you to judge? And then they beat the guy up. (laughs) They judged him, obviously, is exactly what happened. But not everybody that holds this interpretation, you can't judge me, is going to do that with so much violence, of course. But everybody that holds this interpretation shares a common belief. And in essence, that interpretation of the sermon says that Jesus taught that we're not to condemn another person's actions as wrong because that would be judging. Um, They say, see, it says judge not that ye be not judged. I've told you a lot of times that we have to interpret Scripture in the context of the entire Bible. You cannot just take one isolated passage. You cannot just take one verse. You cannot just take one phrase and build a doctrine on that. That is how many, many, many cults have gotten started. That's how a lot of false religions and false doctrines have gotten started, and that is by taking one verse or one phrase and taking it out of the context, not only of that passage, but out of the chapter, and out of the entire Bible, and then building a doctrine around that that verse, and that's exactly what's happened in this, you know, because when we don't take it into the con- in, in the context of the whole Bible, or especially in the context of the passage, then we end up taking this one verse and using it as a club that we can swing around above our heads and and use that to beat people over the head with, and but but it's being misused, and so. Before you state, and I know that we're not necessarily doing this, but before you state that Jesus meant in this passage that we're not to be critical or label somebody's actions as wrong, we have to set this passage up in context and see what else God has to say about the, tr- about the subject. Truth does not stand in isolation. In other words, there are building blocks in the Bible, and each little section of truth makes another block in this wall that builds what we know as the doctrine of the Word of God. And so... It, I want to look at some of those building blocks this evening and, and, and try to use those building blocks in an attempt to examine this passage in the context of all of Scripture. So we say, first of all, that this is the wrong position. But then secondly, why that is the wrong position? And I want you to turn with me to these verses. Uh, there's not a ton of them, but, but they're important verses. And so uh, why is that position wrong? Well, first of all, you have to take the context of this very chapter, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, much of Matthew chapter 7 focuses on actually judging accurately and precisely. Look at verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. How can you determine who's a dog and who's a swine if you're not judging who's a dog and who's a swine? (laughs) Right? I mean... He says, don't, he, he says that very plainly, don't give that which is holy unto the dogs. Well, if we're not judging who a dog is, then how do we know not to give, the, give that which is holy to them, right? If you don't cast your pearls to the swine, well, we can't judge, we can't call somebody swine, and it's not saying to call somebody a swine, but, but you see what the context is here. We have to judge what's a dog, so we don't give things that are holy. We have to judge what's a swine, so we don't cast the pearls to the swine and let them be trampled on. But very clearly, we are to judge in there. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15 gives us another one. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. How can you differentiate between a true prophet and a false prophet if you're not making a judgment call? But then beyond Matthew chapter 7 in the Bible, God repeatedly instructs us to make judgment calls. Uh, One of those scriptural words for this is discern discern. That, that literally means to discriminate. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. So we have the context of, of just, just right there, Matthew chapter 7, this very chapter that we're looking at that they want to take this out of context in. By the way, uh, probably 99.9% of those that want to use this, the Bible says judge not, don't know anything else about the rest of the passage and most likely don't know anything about the rest of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. right? But they're, they're taking this one verse, this one phrase that they heard somewhere and now they're big-time Bible believers, right? Oh, I believe the Bible. The Bible says judge not. Well, what else do you know about the Bible? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. So Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's nothing more or less than a judgment call. How do you discern between good and evil? You're making a judgment call, passing judgment on what is acceptable for the Christian and what's not acceptable for the Christian. That's, that's, that's a judgment call. God says that mature Christians are supposed to do it so often that they actually become good at it, right? That's what he says. Who by reason of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Paul in 1 Corinthians directly, in fact, you can turn over there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, directly links discerning and judging by telling them that spiritual people... Uh, the spiritual people amongst them had a God-given ability to judge correctly. He says this in First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So somebody who is foolish and doesn't know the Bible is not going to judge, but look what he says in the next verse, verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. There's no way around that. Somebody that's spiritual is going to judge between good and evil. Somebody that's spiritual is going to discern between what is right and holy and what is wrong and depraved. Beyond that, Jesus explicitly calls on God's people to judge. John chapter 7. Turn over there with me, if you will. John chapter 7. Jesus, here in John chapter 7, is saying this to a crowd of people who were rejecting his claim for foolish reasons. And he called them on that to stop making the wrong judgment call and to start making the right judgment calls. He says this in John chapter 7 and verse 24, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Doesn't get much clearer than that when it comes to telling us that we should be judging. From that angle, we can see that our, it, you know, it's a very personal, a very necessary choice to trust in Christ as our Savior. There's nothing less, nothing less than judging so and doing so accurately. I mean, we have to judge what's good, what's right, what's wrong, what's, what's false, and what's true. We're discerning between the false claims of other so-called saviors and the genuine claims of Jesus Christ. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 22. I want to give you a couple examples in the Bible um, where specific judgment calls were made. Ezekiel launched a diatribe against uh, the failed priests of his day. And Ezekiel 22 is is pretty extensive in the way that it talks about all of those things, but it kind of culminates in verse 26. Ezekiel 22 and verse 26. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Now one of the primary tasks of God's men in any age, because you can obviously see that it happened back in Ezekiel's time, is to clearly paint for God's people what's right and what is wrong. And that's, that's why we study the Word of God, that's why we spend so much time going through these different verses and, and studying the Bible, and, and why we spend these times on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights in particular to, to really get into exactly what the Bible is talking about. If God had included in the Bible every single thing that was right and every single thing that was wrong, the Bible would be so big that we could not carry it, because you think about how many different cultures, how many different nationalities, how many different Things there are out there that are right and that are wrong. And if God put every single one of those in the Bible, there would be no way that we could ever be able to understand all of them. There would be no way that we could ever study all of them and do all of those things. So God made the Bible concise enough that we can take principles that we can stand on and use those principles to help guide us on what's right and what's wrong. But that requires a judgment call on the part of God's people. We have to judge what's right and we have to judge what's wrong. And we ought to be very good at judging what's right and what's wrong. Here's another example, a New Testament example. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And this, is, this has a completely modern application when it comes to church discipline, and specifically the Christian's relationship with a rebellious brother. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator... Or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such and one know not to eat. For what have I to do? What have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? You see, Paul is telling us very clearly that we need to make a judgment call. We have to determine whether this person is somebody that we should be hanging out with or not, and that requires the use of judgment. Paul in First Timothy, you don't have to turn over there, labeled two men by name and delivered them up unto Satan because of the way that they were behaving in the house of God. How can that be done without judging, right? Uh, Titus chapter 3, turn over there if you will. He also instructs Titus to be cautious in his preaching relationships. Um, Titus chapter 3 and verse number 10. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition... Reject. Well, somebody that's a heretic doesn't walk around with a label on their forehead that says heretic, and that's how you pick them out, right? You have to judge what that man is teaching and what that man is preaching, and you have to label them as a heretic and then reject them and stay away from them, right? All of those things, every one of those things that we talked about requires a judgment call. So clearly, uh, Jesus' admonition, judge not, cannot mean that we're not supposed to make judgment calls or that we're not to differentiate between acceptable behavior and unacceptable behavior. So to take that position would mean that God contradicts himself in Scripture because very clearly he tells us we should be judging. So then, the Bible never contradicts itself where there is an apparent contradiction. It is always that. It's an apparent contradiction. So if he says judge and then he says judge not, then where's the, where's the difference Lie. So, let's look at this lastly, then, what does this passage mean? Go back over to Matthew chapter 7. Well, we need to look at, the, at the, what the Word of God says specifically, then, if we're supposed to figure out exactly what it means. And so, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, "'Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet shall be measured to you again.'" Allow me to paraphrase this a little bit. I'm not taking this out of context at all, but if you don't want to be judged, then don't judge because the very way that you judge is the way that you're going to be judged. That's exactly what he's saying in this passage in verse 1 and 2. In other words, if you can't handle or don't want people to make judgment calls about you, then you shouldn't be making judgment calls about them. And even more specifically than that, if you make your judgment calls with mercy and grace, then that's the same judgment that you're going to get back to you. They'll do the same thing for you. On the other hand, if you make your judgment calls quickly, if you make your judgment call in harshness with little or no information about the this judgment call that you're making, then you can expect others to do the same to you. Uh, he's saying here that the way you judge other people is the way that you're going to be judged yourself. Turn over to Galatians chapter six. The way that we judge is the way that we are going to be judged. The scriptural law of sowing and reaping. We've talked about that this morning. We talked about it last Wednesday. You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, you reap after you sow. Those are all the laws, the principles of sowing and reaping, and they completely apply to judging. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And that comes to play when it comes to judging as well. He's not telling us to be judgmental. He's telling us that we will receive from others the same thing that we hand out. God himself deals with man in the same way. Turn over to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. We don't have too many more verses that we're going to turn to, but I want you to look at this one. Psalm 18 and verse 25. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt show thyself now, that doesn't mean that we earn our salvation. You have to remember context. But it means that God rushes with mercy to the side of the merciful man. And he treats, with, with the, he t- he treats the stubbornly rebellious fool with stubborn truth in turn. God will treat us the way that we treat others. So this, And that's intrinsically part of the human nature as well. Um, many of you know the story of, uh, or at least have heard of, Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, they have a website called GodHatesFags.com, and they have protested. I think I think on their website their website it says that they have picked over 53,000 things that they've protested since 1995. And the the problem with them the problem with them is is on a lot of the things that they're talking about they're they're at least semi right. God hates homosexuality. He does not hate the homosexual. They're wrong on that. He said, They say that God hates the American soldier and that these soldiers' deaths are the result of God judging America. And they'll protest at soldiers' funerals and all kinds of stuff. And, and there's just not one little tiny shred of, of compassion. There's not one little tiny shred of, of anything in them that makes people realize that they're doing this out of a heart of love. They're absolutely, for whatever reason, doing it out of a heart of hate. I read a book um, from a girl who grew up in that church and ended up leaving that church, and she wrote a book about her whole experience and everything else, and just the things that go on in there and the way that they are um, <clears throat> the way that they're promoting their events and all of these other things has nothing to do with the love of God and everything to do with hate. I don't know why they're that way. I don't, you know, I don't know what they think they're accomplishing, but the problem is... They're not turning anyone away from these sins. In fact, they're pushing people toward them because of the way that these people are, are showing not only not the love of God, but the exact opposite of the love of God. And you see how this church, and I, and I, I hesitate to even call it a church, it's hardly even worthy of the name, especially Baptist Church, um, but you see how the world in turn hates them for what they do. There is not one, I mean, obviously, they have a group of people who have decided to join them, and they have what they call their church group of people and everything else, and they have them, they, they go around the country, and they, you know, they protest at all these different events and everything else, so they do have a few people that follow them, but the majority of people in America judge them very harshly because of the way that they judge very harshly everyone else, and they do it without compassion. Nobody gives them compassion in return. You know, I mean, you see some of these events that they go to, and they have, they have crowds, especially when they come to these soldiers' funerals and protests. They have crowds and crowds of people who are doing everything they can to push them out of the way. They have groups of, they have, they have counter-protest groups now that show up at these soldier funerals, soldiers' funerals just to get them out of the way, just to, just to block out everything that they're doing so that these families of these soldiers can actually uh, have a decent burial and everything else, but... Why do the masses of humanity join together to hate Westboro Baptist Church? It's Because they're doing the exact same thing. They judge everyone else so harshly. So again, uh, like in other passages that we've mentioned, the point is to judge carefully, to judge correctly, to judge accurately, to judge slowly, to judge righteously. It isn't that we aren't to judge, it's that we're to judge righteously because we're going to be judged the same way that we judge others. Turn back over to Matthew chapter 7. I want to look at just a couple verses again here. Because even, even in this passage, he's careful to insert, I uh, guess, what you could call a contextual explanation. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12 says this, and this is known as the golden rule, right? Always treat others the way you want them to treat you. That's a, that's a Bible principle, and it comes from Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. In fact, in this entire section, God is instructing us not not to judge, but how to judge correctly. So what are the principles? Well, first of all, how we judge others is how we're going to be judged. And we see that. We already read that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. The second thing is, I'm to judge myself first and harshest. Look what he says in verse number 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. I'm going to draw a circle around myself and to start there before I ever move on to others. It's very easy for us to discern the wrong in others. We can pick that out very quickly. Well, look what that person did. Look how they're doing this. Uh, but that wrong is often reflected in our lives in other areas. Christ calls on me to deal with myself first. That's one of the principles that he talks about, about judging. That doesn't mean that I can't stand up against wrong and error. And there's a lot of people, who, well, I, I can't say anything because I know that I'm not perfect. The Bible doesn't say that we have to be perfect to judge. Uh, but it does mean that I need to do that judging from a pure heart and from a holy heart. We talked in the Beatitudes about meekness, Right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That goes a long way in our proper use of judging. God will guide me in exercising judgment the right way if I embrace this spiritual grace of meekness. That's how he expects me to judge. We also see that judgment in the scripture is, uh, turn to Psalm 119, last, last verse that we're gonna look at tonight, but Psalm 119 So God says not that we should not judge. We should be judging, but judge righteously, judge correctly, judge out of the right heart, judge with the right motives, and judge yourself first. If you judge yourself first, then you're going to be judging others out of the right heart. You're going to be judging others righteously. You're going to be judging others purely. Psalm 119 and verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. That context here is specifically related to the word of God. Every verse in Psalm 119 speaks in, it's in some way about the word of God. But the better I know the scriptures, the more clearly I'm going to see God's mind on whatever matter it is. And that's what is at issue in making a judgment call. I'll be able to make the right judgment call if I know what the Bible says about fill in the blank, whatever topic it is that we're talking about that we're making a judgment call on. The Bible is very clear that we should be making judgment calls. We have to discern between what is right and holy and what is wrong. We have to judge between someone who is a true prophet and somebody who is a false prophet. But I think American Christianity is, is increasingly, increasingly shrinking away from making anybody feel bad about anything. So judge not is completely misunderstood and misapplied by God's people. We don't want people to feel bad about what they've done. We don't want people to feel bad about what they're doing. And so, well, you know, who am I to judge? I'm not, I'm not God. No, we're not God, but we are commanded to judge between what's good and holy and what's not and what's wrong. And so the people who stand up against the things that are unholy are often labeled as unkind or unfair or intolerant or uncharitable or even unchristian. Um, But the resulting escalation of sin in the lives of both the saved and the lost Running unchecked since confrontation of any kind is judgmental and, and, and is wrong. That's going to be the, one of the main con- contributing factors in what is the coming apostasy. It's coming. It's here for, for all practical purposes. There is so, such apostasy in this world today. But I read this. Uh, I saw this, and maybe you've seen this before too. But it was a news article that was reporting on a, on a festival that just celebrates everything that's, everything that's wrong with this country, you know. Uh, and, and in the picture that one of the reporters had taken and put in that, that article was uh, uh, a young person that was wearing a T-shirt that had plastered across it, Only God can judge me. I've seen people with tattoos down their arm that say the same thing, Only God can judge me. Uh, and in a sense, of course, that, that T-shirt is correct. There's, there's an aspect of in judge, of judgment that involves not just identifying wrong as wrong but it involves passing sentence on the sinner and executing judgment i'm not god i cannot execute judgment i don't i don't wear the robes of a judge but as an everyday run of the mill man on the street that t-shirt is 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 very wrong because yes i realize that you know that calling that t-shirt wrong is making a judgment call and that's fine we're called to make judgment calls on those things we are we are told that we should be Judging what is scripturally correct and what is not scripturally correct. Every mature Christian is called to carefully judge between right and wrong. Judging other people is not wrong. It's tremendously important. It's all kinds of right. Make judgment calls. If it's a wrong doctrine, call it. If the person is wrong, call it. If the church is wrong or ministry is wrong, call it. If an action is wrong, call it. But call it righteously. And judge yourself first and judge yourself, yourself harshest. And remember that how you judge them will be how, yourself, how you yourself will be judged. Be patient with people. Everybody's in different stages of growth. And somebody that makes a judgment call against somebody else might be somebody that is working on the very thing that you're making the judgment call against them on. And you don't know. And that's why I say, you know, we we ought to treat people with grace and with charity. We We ought to treat them with kindness and with dignity and, you know, try to understand their side of the story and then give them room and time to grow. But if somebody is not doing what is right, then we have to judge those things. We have to judge what's right and wrong. We're commanded to do that. And I have to remember that I'm not right about everything. But I also have to remember that the way I judge others is the way that I'm going to be judged. And that's exactly what this passage is talking about. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, shall be measured to you again. It's not that we're not supposed to judge. We're supposed to judge. But we're supposed to be gracious in the way that we do it. Because the way that we judge others is the way that we're going to be judged. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. And I know this is more of a a teaching message tonight, but I pray that you'd help us to, to think these things through, to apply them to our hearts. And God, that we would judge ourselves, judge ourselves harshly so that we don't have to be judged by you, so that we don't have to be judged by others. God, I pray that you'd help us to judge righteously and be gracious with others so that people will judge us righteously and give us the same grace. God, I pray that you'd help us to be what you want us to be. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Pretty straightforward thing tonight. Pretty straightforward message. There's not not much. I don't know, maybe not in the way of conviction. I don't know if that's right. Maybe the Holy Spirit did convict you about something that you're doing in your life that you should not be doing. Or maybe something that that you're not doing that you should be. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but it's an important message. It's an important lesson. And if Jesus was taking the time in the Sermon on the Mount to preach it, then how much in, how important it is it for us to know it? And that's what he's done is put this right there in the Sermon on the Mount for us. And so the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart tonight as the piano plays. The invitation is open, and you can come.